Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Rooted Deep, a podcast featuring Reba Bowman and Allison Hale. Well, welcome to today's podcast, and uh, Allie and I are here today and excited to talk to you about something that's really uh, close to our hearts, uh, something that we, uh, we're we deeply involved in, and that is meeting the needs of women and uh, girls that are in crisis. And as we look at that, um, you'll find that a lot of the things that we're involved in uh, bring us into the human trafficking world and bring us into the uh, women who are exploited uh, for sexual benefit. And so as we, we're going to take a look at that today and talk a little bit about that, because we do think that it's so important uh, for, for those of you listening um, Maybe you know a lot about it. Maybe you don't know anything about it. But we just think as it's op- really important for women to understand what it looks like to be a woman in another part of the world. Uh, or maybe the woman across the street from you is struggling. And so uh, we, we really think this is important for us to kind of have an understanding uh, and, of, and be able to speak into. So... Um, so maybe we'll start off, Allie, with just, uh, you are a veteran of this long before I was ever uh, really knowledgeable about this at all. And actually, it was because of you um, that I, the Lord just really opened my eyes to what all was happening to women globally. Um, so, so I want to talk a little bit about that. And we'll, uh, that's always a fun story, but uh, one that God used in my life as I was running there for more traveling and speaking in the U.S., and then you invited me to come down and speak to the, in the Dominican Republic at a women's event that you have, uh, that you've had annually, and so uh, I came down to speak at the event, and when I got there, you introduced me to women that were part, were there at your, attending your event that had been rescued. And were part of a, a safe house, were part of a, a restoration work that was there in the Dominican Republic. And suddenly my eyes were really shockingly opened to what I thought was maybe a small problem, but was actually much bigger problem than what I thought. Yeah. And, and I think that's the way we felt here in the Dominican, too. Uh, when I first got down here, to the Dominican Republic, our my main focus was discipling women and um, and just spending time as a pastor's wife and, and in church and missionary and and so you think you think Bible study and you think um, women's conferences and and you think all you know just normal church lady right. type stuff and uh, and some of the women that I had discipled were coming back to me um, asking me to go visit a woman in their neighborhood. And the first time it happened, um, one of the girls that I had discipled, um, she's, she was a medical student, but she, she just wanted me to visit her neighbor. Mm-hmm. And when I sat down with her neighbor, I was just asking her, you know, telling her, I was giving her the gospel and everything, just wanting to hear her story. And um, I knew she was pregnant. And it turns out she was, a, um, she was a prostituted woman that was on maternity leave, um, in quotes, uh, from a brothel. And I was, I the first time in my whole church life that I had been kind of, you know, uh, so openly in my face, okay, here's, 
here's sure. somebody that's kind of has a completely different uh, perspective on life. Here's somebody who has been, um, you know, just exploited uh, in, you know, and, and <laughs> as you're hearing her story, you know, it, it had yeah. happened as a young child. And so I'm just, and I continued and thankfully the Lord gave me the strength to continue sharing the gospel with her because that mm-hmm. is, you know, what, what we do, but he, he actually didn't allow me to rest on that and just say, Hey, you, you talked to her about Jesus. You showed her the Bible, um, you know, and, and spiritually, yes, she'll be fine. But we know that, um, there's, there was a deep, there was just a need, you know, for her to be able to provide for this baby that was being born into another life. And it's like a generational thing. And so that just started me on this vortex of, you know, just eye open. I was about, I don't know, 28, 29 years old. And I was like, what, this is, this is a new thing, you know, new thing for me. So the women of our church just started praying, Hey, you know, and some of them were like, Allie, this is, this is all over the place. Uh, prostitution, child prostitution, sex tourism here in the Dominican Republic. And, and, uh, so they kind of, I I wouldn't say they eased me into it, but every day there was something new that was opening my eyes to what was going on literally, um, two blocks from our church. Uh, on the streets of, of San Pedro and then in the in the tourist area of San Pedro. And so we just started going out talking to these women and hearing their names and hearing their stories. And uh, so that was one of the things that first drew me in was just here I am in the Dominican Republic thinking that um, we're just going to have a, a simple little church lady style Bible study. And, right. and it's, it's gotten right gotten a lot deeper than that um but that's we found women where we where they were and a lot of them at first we were hearing their, you know their mothers they need to feed their families they're out there because they have no other way to feed their families and and we know that one of the one of the thing one of the vulnerabilities that we know in trafficking victims and in victims of sexual exploitation is um our it's kind of a double whammy it's um extreme poverty and um and a lack of documentation um, and, and that's one of the things that you and I have seen all, all over the place. But right. if, if, if someone's born and they, they're, they're not documented, then they technically don't exist. So whatever can happen to them, they're extremely vulnerable. The state doesn't know what they're, know where, where they are. And, and sometimes even these girls disappear. And because there are so many children in the neighborhood, um, I remember one of our, one of our women, she, she ran away from home at 13. Um, she mm-hmm. was pimped out by an older cousin. An older cousin thought that they could make money off of off of this girl, their younger cousin, and so took her out on the streets for six months. She was she was gone, and and I said, "What did your parents do?" She said, "I came back after six months, and they were basically like, wow, where you been?' Kind of um, oh, kind wow. of situation, and 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 that trauma in and of itself, just uh, you know, sure, parents not even really seeking out their you know their daughter was just it's, it has been a traumatic experience in her life. But, you know, seeing this over and over again, just in our country, the women of our church, we wanted to do something and start a ministry that would minister to them, not just um, physically, but spiritually and emotionally as well. And then um, I, you know, and so, but every year we still had a church lady conference and uh, you you were invited to one. And well, I think what was so interesting about that trip is that we decided because we have, we had a a safe house and we actually had some, a couple of women staying in the safe house at that time because they had to get away from their, um, their, uh, their pimps and abusers. And, uh, but we decided for your group, we actually decided to cook and eat all our meals at the safe house. And so I yes. just kind of pretty much threw you in 
to the mix and we were all sitting around the table together. And I don't think the first, maybe I was like, here's where we are. Um, and, and, and this is what we're going to, this is what we're going to see. And, and I think that was really, that's the only time we've ever done that. I think that's interesting the way the Lord kind of worked that out. Yeah, because it was so over, you know, I mean, we, I had heard the terms trafficking and of course it was starting nowhere near the, at the level that we discuss it at now. But back then it was, it was a term that I had heard and I understood what it meant in a, in a general sense, but I think sitting there eating meals and realizing these women were just like me. Um, you know, as far as the, they were women, they, they hurt, they had heartache, they had pain, um, they loved, they cared, um, you know, they liked pretty things, they, you know, they were, they were not some kind of strange, oddball woman who's, who, you know, who we only have a half a percent of in the world. No, these were women that were just like the women I hung out with, except for the fact that maybe their life experiences had, like you mentioned with the girl and her parents, their life experience had been cycles of brokenness um, from coming through. And now they found themselves maybe pregnant and trying to feed their families. And I think this was the thing that overwhelmed me is that women who many of them can't read and can't write, as, as you mentioned, they're in pop, they the poverty level is extremely low for them. And so there's no way to feed their families. And then you talked about the documentation, which for, for those of you that may not understand what that looks like, um, think about your social security card. Think about your birth certificate. Think about those things that you get at birth that are assigned to you by the place where you live and the government where you live that, that identifies you as alive and, um, and accounted for. And these are things that these women, um, their children didn't have and, and they didn't have. And so trying to, as I sat there, it's really overwhelming at first to, to see the magnitude of it and to see the depth of it and to see that these women are willing to go out on the street and prostitute themselves to put rice and beans on their kids' tables. Yeah. yeah. And I, and, um, what, what happens is it's a cycle of, you've got the poverty and, and just imagine, you know, there's a record when, when there's a birth certificate and, and so many of us have our birth certificate, we have the name of our mother or some of us, um, are, are lucky enough to have our name, a mother and father on our birth certificate. Um, we, and just, there's a record of us being alive. And with mm-hmm. so many of these women, there's no record of them even existing. And then they can't get into school because they don't have paperwork. Um, some of the women uh, with their documentation, they want it, they want so badly to send their kids to school, but there's, since there's no, since they don't have a birth certificate, mm-hmm. their children also um, are lacking. So we have to go back a couple of generations, or we just have to get the neighbors together and say, does this woman exist? And the neighbors have to come together and sign an affidavit saying, yes, she does exist. She is alive. She's in our neighborhood. And then we have to take that to, and and we have to create Mm -hmm. um, an identity for this, for this woman. And so many of us, you know, have been, have had the, you know, for lack of a better word, have had the privilege of just even just a birth certificate and maybe not understanding how across the globe that's actually, even so it's simple to us that we lose it. We have to pay $5 to go down to the records office and get another one. Um, It's not that easy for so many. And that's what makes somebody so vulnerable 
to yes. where they, they won't be able to go to school. They're not going to be able to get a job. And if, and if something happens to them, the government doesn't know about it. The police there, how do we know she even exists? You know, there's sure. no number. And so, yeah. um, we're us just trying to, to breathe life into that, you know, into that darkness. Um, yeah, you know, and it's, it's such a heartbreaking thing. And one of the things that I learned shortly after leaving the Dominican Republic and seeing it, um, I was exposed to it in the DR in two fashions, one with women. And then you took me to meet a dear friend of ours, uh, Joy Reyes, who um, is working with little girls at the time. And um, I got to see it on the level of children, which uh, is equally as devastating and as hard for the heart uh, to imagine um, that, that level of abuse. But I think what resonated with me as I flew back on the plane and in the weeks and days after that trip, and then what God had for me in the next few months, which was going to really be a global drowning in this, these ideas of the crisis for women globally, as God sent us all over the globe in the next few months, which I'll talk about in a minute. But I think what impacted me so much was the fact that these women had no value in the eyes of their abusers. Uh, they were almost, uh, it would almost be like a paper towel at a party where you would wipe your hands and get the dirt off the paper, off your hands onto the paper towel, crumple the paper towel up and toss it away. And then if you needed another one, you just go to the roll and you grab another paper towel. And it was almost, these women were viewed by so many as expendable and exploitable. Uh, no value to them at all, as if they had nothing to bring to the world just by being who they were in their own personality. And I saw that repeated in almost every place that God has allowed us to go, this idea that women had absolutely no value whatsoever. Right. And, and when, when somebody starts using another human being that's been created in, in God's image, mm. um, as a uh, the late Ravi Zacharias says, image bearers of, of God, uh, you think um, when, they're, when they're being bought and sold as if they are a commodity, as if they are, right. uh, and, and, you know, and it's such a, a low value, um, mm -hmm. that's, it's really, it's sad because like you said, it's something that I can, you know, you can use, it's disposable, I'll get it. And, and the several countries that I've been, I've visited, I'm like, is there a problem with so many women being rescued? And the sad, the sad truth is no, because there's so many paper towels on the roll. Um, to use your analysis, yeah. there's so many more in line. Um, yeah. And that's, that's just so sad when, when, when human beings and image bearers of Christ are used as, as a product or commodity um, to be Absolutely. bought and sold. And we know that, you know, as, as we are women and we're both strong women of faith, we understand that God created women and that he created them with our, our own uniqueness and our own specialness. And there's something that we bring to the table that guys don't bring to the table because right. uh, we're created differently than they are. And so um, that idea that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalm 139, is so true. Um, but man, that is sometimes a difficult concept to try to help a woman understand who's been abused so badly. Mm -hmm. uh, and has gone through uh, so much darkness. I know after we left the DR, um, we had invitations to go to Nepal and India 
And as we stepped into that portion of the world, um, I, I was overwhelmed once again um, with the, the sheer numbers and the sheer volume as the Dominican is an island only being able to contain so many people, but then you expand to this massive landmass of Asia and uh, where you know millions and millions and millions of people reside. And you watch these numbers just explode exponentially as um, you know, in Nepal, there are actually cabin restaurants where you can walk down the street and there are young girls who by all appearances could not have been much more than 15. Uh, years of age um, that are in these glass windows and these men walking up and down the streets who have an opportunity to um, order a meal and pick a girl. Mm-hmm. And they go into these cabins, so per se, these rooms, and they can do whatever they want with the girl and they eat the meal. And these are restaurants in that part of the world. And I remember walking through some of those streets and seeing these girls behind these partitions for sale and just wanting to go and kick the glass in and grab them all and run, you know, and being so angry and just, I felt, I don't, I don't know that I've ever felt so many explosive emotions as I did that day on the streets uh, in Asia uh, at, looking at these cabin restaurants and then realizing as I journeyed up through some of the more um, more remote areas of Nepal, understanding that there were villages where there just were no girls. Yeah. Yeah. And you would go in and there are boys running around, but there's no girls. And where are all the girls? Well, they've been trafficked. Um, They've been sold. And you know, many of their parents have been lied to and told they're going to go be a domestic worker at down in the in the cities and in the more urban areas. Um, but most of us understand really clearly that that rarely, if ever, happens. Uh, these are traffickers, and I know Ali, you've traveled uh, through Thailand and different areas as well, and you've seen some of these same things. Oh yeah, I was able when we were first starting this ministry. Um, I got in touch with. Um, several different women who um, who had been at it for a while, and I had never. I, had, I again, like you said, back in back ten, twelve years ago, this was just um, it, openly. It was not being talked about. It was. Right. It was not really. It was something that maybe you would see an episode on Law and Order SVU, but it's the, you think about something that's happening uh, a long way away. Um, sure. It doesn't happen. Um, and, but I had to get close to it. I had to find out because we wanted to start something here and I needed to know, uh, you know, and so a friend of mine invited me uh, on a missions trip to Thailand and it was, it's a, it's cause she calls it a circle tour. It's, um, through women at risk international and the leader, uh, Becky McDonald, we actually had her come down to the Dominican and, and just talk to us about the ministry and about, um, her ministry all over Asia. Um, and it started in her life. It started with um, a girl at 14 had been um, acid had been poured down her throat because she refused to be raped. She 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 refused as a 14 year old girl. She's like, no, I'm not. And and so the the punishment was um, at, she was she was acid was poured down her throat and uh, she was thrown out of the house. And um, 
Becky remembers that so vividly that that's the first time she she saw a woman in that situation, a woman at risk, and she started an organization um, and began just advocating for women, um, mm. most mostly in Asia. Uh, they've since um, spread out into Latin America and Europe, but um, and she was telling me this story, and I'm like, we don't have possibly the violence of that first story, but mm -hmm. women are in danger and at risk everywhere. And we know this because sure. uh, Satan, Satan promised it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's biblical. Uh, Satan's hated the woman for a, a long time and he's attacking. Um, but God values women so much that he's yeah. given, you know, he's given us so many, uh, so many women who are strong, like you said, and want to stand up and advocate for another. But um, so I went with her to Thailand just and we we visited um, brothels in different locations. I actually went into um, went into several brothels where where you could just sit there and the women just walk around with numbers on on their bodies. Um, very scantily clad, but there's just a number and, and you can just order um, whatever number. And one of the things that really stood out to me is you actually, there are certain women that are considered ugly and they, uh, and people have to pay more money for an ugly girl, but an ugly girl, you can actually do more physical violence to. And oh, since wow. she's already ugly, the, the brothel, uh, doesn't, you know, you have to pay more, but uh, you know, that's the, that, that is the, the, the perk of that. And, and just kind of seeing that and, and hearing a woman, um, in a, in a safe house a few days later, after we had been to that brothel, um, she stood up and she was giving her testimony and she said, I, I was, I was ugly. Um, and everybody knew what that meant because we had been, and, and the girls that were in the safe house, the other rescued girls, Kind of nodded and just kind of sighed and 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 we all just were shocked because um she was considered an ugly girl which means she had experienced so much violence and in that situation in in thailand because of the because of the tourist industry women mm -hmm. were like you they're just commodities and and right. they were being bought and sold just based on their numbers and you could there there would be just it's almost like a strip mall and you go mm -hmm. in um you go in and you just, you know, you kind of order what, order what you want. And, um, and it was just really sad, but then we, we flew to the North side of the Island or the North side of Thailand, um, into a tribal area and, uh, went to a, a village, um, and all of the, all of the children, all of the girls in this orphanage were from a specific tribe. Um, and that tribe had been heavily trafficked, um, because of, you know, lack of documentation mm -hmm. because of a lower value in right. the system, you know, they were even more expendable. And, um, and so we, we spent time with the 105 girls in this, in this orphanage that we were able to spend time with and just, mm -hmm. just look into their eyes and play games with them. And, um, right. and so, uh, th there were so many differences between Thailand and the Dominican Republic, but I was able to pick up on some, some, uh, similarities that I could bring back to, and just kind of open my eyes, not just to what's happening in the Dominican, but something completely different, but yet women were still at risk. Children were still being exploited. And uh, that, was my, that was my experience in Thailand, and I've never forgotten it. And it's, it's what's driven me even further into just, you know, digging my feet in. I can't save Thailand. I can't even save the Dominican Republic. But when the Lord right. puts somebody in front of me, right. you know, those experiences drive me to, to help her. Right. Yeah, and I think that's where kind of God has called us both 
um, as our ministries look vastly different and yet we have some overlap. Um, we're partners in ministry. Um, so as you're working with really twofold, you know, as you're working not only with the women that are there on the streets, but you're also working with their children. And uh, I think it's so cool as you help educate, because I think you, you mentioned this earlier and it is so big. And I, and I think this is so important for us to say and for people to understand that uh, we're passionate about a woman's eternal destination and we want her to know Christ for a myriad of yes. reasons. One is, yes, there is heaven assured to her at the end of her life, which is, which is so much hope for her because she doesn't live a plush life right now. So the fact that there is coming a day when she's going to have so much more than she ever dreamed and she's going to live in full wholeness um, is something that we long for her to have and desire for her to have. But there's also more to it than that, because we understand that that Jesus has promised in John 10, 10, that the devil comes to kill and he comes to steal and he comes to destroy. But Jesus said, I came that I might give you life and I might give you more abundant life. He didn't just mean that for Americans or people who make six figures a year. He, he meant that for everyone. And so what does that look like? for these women and for these girls. And you and I, I mean, we, we've just shared some hard to hear things mm -hmm. and, and, and we understand hard to see. Yeah. Um, haunting images and things that are difficult to process through. But we also understand that as we, what drives us to do what we do is the fact that there's not just hope for eternity. There's hope for today. Yeah. Uh, because you and I, we, you know, there are things that we can do and that we do. But at the same time, there's also this hope and this healing that only God can give a woman down deep in her, down deep where the scars are and deep where the raw places are in her heart and soul that only God can really speak into. Um, but to get a woman there is a journey. Yes. Uh, to get a girl there is a journey. And, it, and, and it's not just a, well, God bless you. We hope it all works out for you. James says, how foolish is that? Um, you know. But, but I love what you guys do. And it's the very thing that I thought it resonated with me so strongly. And that is you're constantly giving a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus. You're teaching women skills. You're helping to educate them. You're helping to educate their children. Um, and, and although I've seen that model duplicated in so many places, uh, you're here. So talk about what that model looks like, Allie, as, because this is really where the healing and the hope starts as they start on their journey. And our prayer is they receive Christ and they can have so much deeper healing and hope, but they're, but they're talk about that journey a little bit. Well, the first thing we do is, um, there are several, several areas in our city, um, specifically and in the surrounding areas where we know that women are being prostituted. And so we go out um, weekly, and right now um, we're going out twice a week, um, our team is, and we just talk to them and get to know them first. Um, it's so important for us to, to understand who they are. And um, right now our, our outreach team is really actually laughing at me because um, everybody wears a mask. And so even when you're out on the street, and so I get yeah, because we're in the middle of COVID, right? So, we're right in the middle of, yeah, yeah, we're right in the middle of COVID. So everybody's still wearing a mask. And yeah. if they change their hair, which they often do, then I'm, I'm lost, at, you know, and so really have to focus on looking into their eyes, remembering their names and, um, 
because sometimes they have to drop their mask real quick to show, oh, absolutely, you know, I remember you. And so we were, but our outreach team is spending time with them. Um, and we, we just start getting to know them and, mm -hmm. and saying, hey, you know, show up to the church and uh, we would like to talk to you more. The reason that we ask them to come to church is we need them to make a tiny step. Mm -hmm. um, we don't go and grab them and throw them in our car and drive them away. Right. Um, because they are right now, the women that we're, we're serving, they were pimped out as children. They were sold and exploited as children, but now many of them are adults. Um, and they do, they, their only option they feel like um, is to continue in prostitution. Um, that's not what they want, but they don't have any other option to feed their families, but they have to make a choice. All right. I, you know, and it's one mm -hmm. tiny step, just show up to the church and we'll talk to you and we'll get your information. And, um, and they start in the program. The program starts with a three month, just come twice a week. Uh, we'll teach you a, a couple of skills. We'll sit down with you. We'll start, um, we'll start a, uh, a Bible study counseling um, mixture of, of what we do there and just listening to their stories, having them write down their stories if they can, if they can read them right. Um, and during that time, we pay their rent. We, um, we provide groceries for them, medicine, if them or their, if they or their children need them. And, um, and we just try to, to minister to those basic needs um, higher. You know, if you look at, you know, just the basic needs of what a human needs, he needs to be fed. He needs to feel safe. He needs to, yeah. Um, and so then that way their heart is a little bit more open to receive the counseling and receive that, yep. um, the, uh, just the, the word of truth that we're giving them Absolutely. and in so much love. And then after that three months, then, um, we actually can offer them a, a job and in that job, they can continue their education. And, um, and that's one of the things that's how our ministry kind of walks with them through um, through the needs that they have, the physical needs, because we cannot just say, here's a pile of money, stop being a prostitute. Right. Um, it, it doesn't right. work that it way. We have to, <laughs> uh, it, it almost, it would, you know, technically it would maybe be easier on us if it, if it were, we just write yeah. a check. And I think that's where a lot of us have spent our lives in the past. Let me just write a check. And, and I don't, I don't want to get into the you don't want to get your hands dirty. I don't yeah. want to get my hands dirty. I don't want to get my emotions all tied up into it. Yes, and, exactly. Um, and so, but in this case, we can spend time with them on a on a day to day basis, and um, and look at them as a person, mm -hmm. and see them as a person, and and as a as a family unit. Um, yeah. So anyway, and what's so cool about being tied to this for now for for a, a quite a number of years is that we've I've been able to watch women. Who you guys have brought in, and remembering the first days, weeks, and months, coming back to see them again, and looking at at a spark in the eye that wasn't there the last time I saw them, looking at a skill that they're gaining, that they're able now to be an entrepreneur, they're able mm -hmm. to be an artisan, they're able to be a businesswoman uh, from uh, from their perspective, they're able to, um, you know, their kids are learning to, you know, just the fun. I'll, I'll never forget one of the ladies. Like, pulled her son over to me. And I think at the time he might've been six or seven. And she was like, listen, he can read. And she was so excited because she wanted him to read to me because that was something she had not been able to do. Mm -hmm. And she was so proud of her son who would able, who was now able to read. And yeah. so I think that that's really what it's all about at the end of the day is watching these women become healthy and whole and watching them break that cycle and knowing that that breaks the cycle for their children. And then those women then in turn are some of the greatest advocates um, 
uh, I remember you telling the story of the lady, you know, who said, okay, it's my, I want to go out in the street with you guys now. And I want to go back to the corner where I once worked. And I want to tell the woman that's standing there in my place that this is not the life for her. Right. And, and she was, able, yeah, she was able to just say, you know, she was able to knock down all this woman's excuses for not, for not yeah. um, taking that step because she had been there. And we've yeah. had several women that have been rescued who, who have gone out um, with us just to, and you know, and it's not, it's not rescue. It's just reaching out. We could just call it outreach because we just want to meet them where they are, yep. talk to them, um, maybe, you know, buy them a cup of coffee or, you know, take them some medicine, um, yeah. out on the streets just to show that we love them and, um, and, and that God has created them for a much bigger purpose, um, than what they're living. And, yeah. and it's beautiful and it can be and, beautiful. Yeah. And watch them take that first step, which right. is such yeah. a, such it's a exciting. Great, it is an exciting thing. Well, I think, you know, maybe you've been listening to us and you're like, okay, wow, this is all extremely overwhelming. <laughs> and I totally, we I'm understand so that, now. uh, as we have, uh, basically opened up the fire hydrant on you in this podcast and just kind of said, okay, um, why would we do this? And, and I think there's some importance to that um, as we look at it, because we believe it's so important for women to understand what it looks like to be another, a woman in another part of the world, um, or what it looks like to be a woman in, at risk or a woman at, in crisis. We'll, we'll use those terms to help identify women who um, are really at a crucial point in their lives. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of statistics, um, and statistics are one of those things where you can, we can use them and we do, but at the same time, we also understand that, uh, in this world, they're very difficult to gather. Uh, there are some countries that are totally un, uncooperative. Um, and so they're not even going to give you, they don't count, um, the needs and they don't give you statistics. Uh, you know, places like you know, Bangladesh or North Korea or um, Nepal or Papua New Guinea or Pakistan or places like that where nobody's counting, okay? Mm -hmm. nobody's, nobody's counting and nobody's reporting. Um, but, the, but the United States every year puts out a trafficking report um, to give you a global perspective as the U.S. Uh, is fighting very hard to, to try to help in trafficking, not only in the United States, but around the world. And so I think this is important for us to kind of back. We've kind of dove in and told you the, the intimate stories and a few of the personal things, but backing this out to help you see, uh, unless someone think, oh, well, that just must be something that happens over there in that part of the world or something that happens here. Um, but we're really looking at um, <laughs> at least 4 million uh, women and girls that are trafficked sexually. Now, this is not any other form of trafficking, but just sexual trafficking. Sexual trafficking with seven out of 10 of those victims being exploited somewhere in the Asia Pacific region. So we know where the largest numbers are. And of course, that's the largest numbers of people, population people. So we understand that. Uh, understanding that 99% of all sexual trafficking is women and girls. And that's why Allie and I fight hard. We are women and we run women's ministries. And so therefore we feel like this is maybe what God um, has brought us to and called us to. But why in the world um, would, we, would we tell you all of these things? Uh, it's more than just 
we want you to be aware, although that is part of it. Uh, because I, my hope my, and my prayer, and I think Allie yours too, is that we don't just become aware of this like, oh, well, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, it can't but, just be a statistic to us. Yeah. Correct. And that's why we saved the statistics to last because these are real people with real names, real faces, real children that don't look a whole lot different than you do. And, um, and so as we look at this and we think about this, we, we want to share with you maybe some things you can do. If you've listened today, um, what can I, I, my heart hopes that your heart is going, what could I do about Mm -hmm. this? You know, and we know, um, for, for us, one of the greatest things you can do, if not the greatest thing you can do is pray. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And I think, um, especially with the prayer, there are so many, there's so much information out there now that if, you know, if somebody's heart and mind is open, then they can, you know, I can look for organizations that I can pray for specifically or pray toward, yes. pray into those, those stats. Yeah. Yeah. And I love even just playing for praying for parts of the world, mm-hmm. uh, taking a spot on the map and praying for the women and the girls that I know are being exploited in that region that I know are in crisis or at risk today in that region and just being able to take places on the map. So we would encourage you, um, the one way you can immediately help and that everybody can help is you can pray. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can, because God is bigger than this. And we've watched him do miracles um, as Allie day to day on the streets and dare for more partnering with women like Allie and others in different places in the world to come alongside and help them do what they do better. Um, and so, um, so prayer is huge, but then there's also not just prayer, but there's opportunities to serve. Um, and uh, we dare for more takes a trip uh, every year uh, down to the Dominican Republic to see Allie and to meet the women that she ministers to and with and to learn more about the work and to learn more about what's happening down there. Um, and Allie, you want to say anything about that? Because it's a really cool opportunity, I think, for women who would like to engage a little more. I think it's it's um, the way we've designed these these encounters when when you visit is we want our women that have been rescued they we want them to know how valued uh, they are and how much dignity mm. we're trying to pour into their lives and so what what Reba's group usually does is they come in and they ask our women to teach them something exactly. um and that that way we can sit we can sit at a table together make a piece of jewelry um sew something together or do something but our women are the ones who are teaching because they've they've so rarely been able to be in control of their own lives and been in control of their own dignity and this is one of the ways that we can pour dignity into them without you know um without having to create um and i create something but our women just really enjoy that face-to-face contact with somebody who loves them and somebody who knows that um, who's going to remember their name and going to pray for them later. Yeah. But at the same time, somebody who maybe doesn't make a pair of earrings as well as, as our women do at Mercy Workshop. And so, oh, absolutely. Uh, Not yeah. me, for sure. <laughs> Reba's yeah. terrible. Uh, what? Yeah, it's so some of our women are better teachers than others some of them just take the stuff out of your hand and just make it for you um and but we want them to learn how you know to to pour dignity but then also we we walk the streets the same streets that we walk at night on outreach or maybe in the tourist area and we just say just open your eyes this is not just souvenirs 
if you look closely, you'll see, and we'll give them pointers. This is how you mm -hmm. can see past that to see the exploitation that's happening um, yeah. and taking them on prayer walks um, so they can see so they can see that a little bit more in depth. So their eyes are a little yeah. bit more open the next time you go on vacation or the next time you um, yeah. you drive by um, a strip mall and you and you think, oh wait, you know, there's something happening behind the scenes that I need to pray for. I need to be aware of. Sure. And, and one of the ways that I, I love a lot of times women will ask me, well, can we do this safely? Uh, would I be at risk or, you know, would my daughter be at risk? And, and, and thankfully we've been able, um, we've taken over 400 women to the Dominican Republic through the years. And, um, and we've never had a situation where women have been uh, in a in a in a risky situation, and we we do that with intent. Um, so if you know we're not going to take you out there and put you in a dangerous situation, or we're not going to go out um, go out and uh, and actually do more harm than good, because we can do more harm than good. Uh, we can mess up all the work that Allie and her team have laid uh, just by being. Uh, by being in the wrong place at the wrong time and doing the wrong thing. So, but really opportunities to serve, to give. Uh, we take on projects, which are sometimes so important for what's happening there uh, because as Allie and her team and the gifts that are given to her organization pour in directly into the women and helping them not only rescue, but helping them to grow, uh, Dare for More can come alongside and do projects that they might not be able to afford to do at the time by using not only these monies, but also uh, skills. Um, and uh, so, so really, op really wonderful opportunities. And if you want to find out how you can go with us, you can just go to dareformore.org and you can check out that information and find out how you can go. But also, Allie, I think for some women, they're like, okay, I'm not getting on an airplane and I'm not going. I'm just not. I'm pray I'll pray, um, but I'm not going to go. Um, and so I think there's two other ways that they could really be a part as we as we kind of bring things to a close today. And one of the ways is they can buy some of this absolutely amazing jewelry that your women make. Um, and so talk a little bit about that and maybe tell us where can we buy this awesome jewelry at? Um, we, the Mercy Workshop, our main, uh, our main product is jewelry. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the easiest thing for our women to learn how to make. And, um, and they just, they can string some beads on a wire and, and just all of a sudden, wow, look at what I've, look at what I've been able to make. And so, um, and so we sell that jewelry and I think it's just exciting for the women to see, wow, um, their women actually, they buy this and I'm like, yeah, they do because it's good. It's good quality. You did a good job. Um, we work on quality control a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, but we have, we have a website where hopefully after the, um, after things get settled down again, we're going to be able to add some new products to the website. A website is mercyjewelry.org. Um, and you can, uh, you can buy a piece of jewelry there or a lot of women, what they like to do is they like to host a jewelry party and talk about, they want to, they we send a, a big, a big pile of jewelry to your home or to your church. And, um, you just can lay it out, um, serve some coffee or some tea and tell the story, tell these stories yeah. about the woman who make it every piece. Um, if it's a bracelet or a necklace has a tag on it and it's got the name of the woman who made it. And that way somebody can hold their, hold something in their hand made by a woman um, that had, that has come out of uh, sexual exploitation and they can pray for them by name. 
um, but they can also just kind of honor them and honor their dignity by, by wearing that piece. And uh, so you can host a jewelry party. You can get in touch with us, you know, if you want to do a, a party in your home and just receive a bunch of jewelry and um, so cool. what you don't sell, you just ship it right back to, right back to us in our, you know, to our yeah. friends in Atlanta. So it's a uh, pampered chef with a purpose. But one of the things I, I because I fly a lot, um, I wear the jewelry a lot and I will get stopped in an airport and some woman will say, that necklace is gorgeous. Where did you get it? And she thinks I got it at some Rodeo Drive boutique, you know, and she's the, you know, and I'm like, oh, let me tell you where I got this at. And, and so these are not just, um, it's not a pity buy within any mm -hmm, perspective. Yeah. This is not just some little sad little necklace that you'll buy and put in your drawer somewhere because you felt sorry for this right. woman and this organization. But these are actually just gorgeous designed, very uh, stylish pieces um, that, uh, that really women want to buy off my neck all the time. I can't tell you how many times women say, can I buy that from you right now? And I have, I have been known to sell it right off my neck before, yep. um, yep. Uh, to help these women. So really cool. Um, and I think that's a really great way so they can pray. Um, women can actually go, um, and learn more and be a part. They can actually purchase an item, um, from the website. Uh, and then they can also give, uh, I know during this time of COVID, you guys have been um, giving out food uh, uh, like left and right uh, as you're having an opportunity to actually minister to the largest group of women you've had for a while because COVID has really put a curfew in the Dominican. Things have uh, shut down the uh the sexual exploitation business a little bit. And as a result of that, women are turning to places and trying to find what can I do during this point of crisis. And they've turned to mercy, which is, uh, which is such a great thing. And so um, I know that you guys could probably use uh, just donations at this point, just somebody who says, Hey, I'd love to give something towards that. So Ali, uh, how do they, how do we give? Um, there's several ways. Our mercy workshop is, uh, is, under the umbrella of um, a ministry called Daystar Baptist um, Missions. And, um, and you can just, you can email us uh, at dbmi.org. You can talk to us. There's a donate button on the website, you know, uh, dbmi.org forward slash or whatever women's ministry. Um, there's a donation sure. button there, but um, it's, it's one of those things that God's given us an opportunity during this, during this uh, pandemic to um, meet the women and, and, and 30 a week we're ministering and giving out food baskets. And, um, and hopefully when, when things, as they are starting to open up, we'll be able to continue our relationship with them. Um, and we, we will definitely need more people to buy more jewelry. We'll need more donations and we're going to sure. need you know, monthly supporters as well that could just say, hey, I'm going to, because we are, we are 99.5. Um, we get 50 bucks a month in support. Um, yeah. But we are completely, almost completely um, supported by uh, the sell, the sale of jewelry. Um, and, and so we're thankful that the Lord has, um, has given us that opportunity. But sometimes at the end of the month, we're like, do we, how did we make enough, did we sell enough jewelry to be able to, yeah. to minister to these women? And, and that's, that's where we, you know, that's where we've always had to kind of struggle. Um, and so we do, we, we do need monthly supporters. We need people sure. to get, get them. Because you're paying these women a, a really good way. Salary. To yeah. Make, yeah. To, to make the jewelry and then what's left over. So, yeah. So there's just great opportunities to get involved. And I would encourage you, uh, whether, um, you know, 
in in, in however you feel like you could be involved, maybe there's two or three things you think you could do, and that would be great. I know that Mercy would love your help and support. I know Dare for More would love Mm -hmm. to have your help and support. Um, And so really good stuff. So, you know, here's what we, I think is a good way for us to close, Allie, because these are tough topics, right? And, um, you know, our podcast is, we talk about being rooted deep. And the reason that we're passionate about this topic is because the very, the very truths that you teach these women, the very truths that I teach the women that we work with, the very truths that, that we give here on this podcast, they work. Mm-hmm. They work for a woman in crisis. They work for a woman who is struggling um, in the, you know, the United States somewhere who's listening to this today and whose life looks nothing like what we've just described. But they also work for a woman in the most devastating of places around the world in the most deep and dark circumstances that we can imagine or describe. The truths work. Yeah. And I think that's the hope that we can leave people with today, right? Absolutely. I think um, one of my favorite verses is in Psalm 139, where even even the dark, even the darkness Mm -hmm. is as light to him. I'm talking about our creator, God, and understanding that if we are rooted in him and we know that he is with us in the darkness, um, even if your darkness looks different from it, from somebody's darkness in Thailand, but it's still hurt and struggle. Mm -hmm. There's um, being rooted deep and understanding that that darkness is as light to to our God and um, being thankful, but getting to know him through his word is so important. Absolutely. Because he, he does love, he does have answers. He is the healer. Uh, he is hope. Um, you know, he is all of those things um, that the devil would like to convince us that he's not, but he is all of those things. So we leave you hopefully with those encouraging words today, uh, wherever you sit. And if you want more information on Mercy or Dare for More, uh, you can go to the websites, but you can also reach out and contact us. And we would love to be able to, uh, if you'll just reach out to info at dareformore.org, we'll be happy to pass along any of Allie's information. uh, And we'll try to tag that along uh, to this podcast. But we would love uh, to have you reach out to ask more questions or to find out how you can get involved in the lives of women. But what we want to encourage you today is, Don't let today go by without praying for the women and girls that are in need today um, as you pray for your own girls and your own women in your own lives today. And uh, man, this has been so good just to be be able to share a little bit about what we're passionate about with you today and uh, asking God just to do great things in the days and weeks ahead. And we believe that he will. So thanks for joining us today on the podcast and uh, we'll pick up next time and hope to see you again. Thank you for listening to Rooted Deep. To learn more about Dare for More Ministries, go to dareformore.org and look up Mercy Workshop at mercyjewelry.org.